Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Ben Hunter, Booktopia's Fiction Category Manager, and this is a podcast about books and the brilliant people who read them and write them. Uh, I'm joined today uh, with my friend and colleague, Shanu Prasad. Hi, Shanu. Hello. And our guest is... Admire. Um, it is Jacqueline Maley. She is an award-winning journalist and columnist with the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. Um, together with Kate McClymont, she won the prestigious Walkley Award for Excellence in Journalism alongside a spate of other awards. Uh, she lives in Sydney and her first novel is called The Truth About Her. Jacqueline, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Um, we all uh, love this book. A lot of us in the office have um, have read it and uh, we are sure that it's going to be a huge success. Um, I really wanted to start, I'm really curious, because we know, we know a lot of journalists then sub, you know, turn to writing, um, writing fiction. A lot of it's crime fiction. This is <laughs> not that. Um, but um, you've had such a sex- successful career as a journalist. Have you always wanted to write fiction as well or is this something that's come upon you more recently? Tell us about that journey. No, I think I, I, I absolutely always wanted to write fiction and I always have been writing creatively um, in my um, copious amounts of spare time. Um, no, I've, I think in a way I actually became a journalist because it was a legitimate way to earn a living writing and I just always loved to write. Yep. And um, I wanted obviously to write even like I love my journalism, but I also wanted to write creatively. So I did that sort of quietly for quite a long time um, before I got serious and also, you know, really put aside the time to do the book. And um, this is this is the result. But yeah, no, it was always something like I'm sort of actually, you know, my, my dirty secret is that I don't really, I don't read as much non, I almost read no nonfiction. I don't read the often don't read the political books that I should. i am just always got my head in a book. I've always got my head in a novel. I love fiction, always have. Great. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you to do something that I, we don't, I don't usually do this on the podcast, but um, I knew I was onto something very special when like, we got these proof copies, these early editions of the book. Um, and the first two sentences of your novel are printed on the back of the book and they just gave me a flavour for what, was the excellent story to come. Would you read these two sentences for me? Oh, gosh, sure. I thought it was going to be a physical challenge, but (laughs) this this I can do. Okay. (laughs) The summer after I wrote the story that killed Tracy Doran, I weighed 65 kilos and had just stopped sleeping with two very different men, following involvement in what some people on the internet called a sex scandal, although when it was described that way, it didn't seem like the kind of thing that happened to me. It seemed like something that happened to the kind of people that I wrote about who were a different sort of people altogether. I love that. It just it frames from the the first moment that this is a a journey of self understanding for this character, Susie Hamilton, um, and it's uh, it's a wild ride. It is. <laughs> um, how did you craft it? Explain it to us. Tell well, us your secrets. It's it's interesting. Um, I think that actually those first sentences in the first page was very much a part of my journalistic craft because we have it drummed into us as um, as journalists when we're training that you have to, we, you know, the pyramid structure, people often don't read to the end of the story. You have to fight for your reader's attention all the time. And I've always felt it's, no, it's our duty not to just inform our readers but also to entertain them and to hold their interest. So I was like, you know, you have to have a banging beginning. It's like the lead par of a story. It just has to be really good um, and draw people in. So, But I actually wrote the, the beginning, that exact beginning, 
after I'd written most of the book, I went back and I was I recrafted the beginning a little bit because um, I, I had a better idea of what the book was about and where it was going to go. And it's funny, like I, I'm sure everybody's different, but I knew... I knew what the end scene would look like, but I wasn't so sure about my beginning, so I went back and redid that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad that it grabbed you. I mean, that's really that's really what I wanted, yeah, yeah. And I, I wanted the voice to be very strong. It's it's always a choice when you're writing, right? Like, do you write in the third person or the first person? They're usually the choices that people make. And I experimented a bit with writing in the third person, but I found that I could not get Susie's voice really right and really strong until I was writing in the first, and then it just sort of flowed and... Um, I, 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 you know, like Anne Enright is a writer that I just admire so much and she pretty much only writes in the first because she's like, I can't, I just need to do that to get the character's voice right. And um, what, was there something else that, well, things that you found surprising about writing um, a fiction book versus, you know, how, writing, um, you know, sort of news articles? Obviously you talk about, you know, being able to bring some of that, the, the knowledge of, you know, a structure and, and uh, you know, getting people in right at the beginning. But was there something that you weren't expecting um, that you came across? Yeah, there were lots of things. I, I had to really deprogram a lot from journalistic writing. I found I was much more, I was a bit inhibited when I was first really writing this. And then I just had to really remind myself, and I did a lot of reading actually of books that are, I find are particularly wild and uninhibited in their style, because I was like, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to, like you can experiment with form if you want, you don't have to stick to the facts, you can make up whatever you want. And I, you know, it's, I had to deprogram. So that was one thing. I found that I was able to to turn out a fair bit of prose because you're used to doing that. So mm -hmm. I was very, very businesslike about, right, you've got to get 2,000 words done today. I didn't sort of wait for the muse to like yeah. land upon my shoulder or whatever. Um, but, but actually my publisher, Catherine Milne, was like, because I was like, oh, I'm not exactly sure like what's going to happen with this character and how I'll resolve this. And she was like, the characters will tell you what, what you know, they'll show you. And I was like, oh, that sounds a bit like... <laughs> You know, woo-woo sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But she was right. Like um, if you develop – I found if you develop your characters and know them quite well and you put them in situations, then they'll sort of tell you what's going to happen and how, they'll, how they respond in that situation ends up being the resolution. So that organicness and that – that's sort of – oh, sorry, bugger. Um, that's the sort of magic of fiction, I think, is yep. – um, it's an alchemy that you can't plan for a lot of what goes on, or I didn't anyway, yeah. Um, it really does come across in, in the work though. I feel like every every character that you have has a an arc and um, and an ending to their story that really does work. None of it was jarring. You, you know, sometimes you might read something and you're just like, oh, that doesn't seem like that, that person would do that. But I think that was one of the things that I thought was so brilliant in the book is that everyone felt, they felt like real people that you could, have come across and they did things that you would expect those kinds of people to do and there were some unexpected things that i won't spoil because there's yeah. some <laughs> yeah. things that could yeah. spoil things in the book and i won't uh. um that happen um that uh that you know which is also true about people so um i really appreciate that uh that you did that in the book thank you thank yeah. you yeah and when i'm when i'm on that like I, that vibe of the the journalist turned author um thing uh something i really enjoy and and it shines in in this book is um when you're a journalist you, i think you rarely get to introduce a lot of colour to mm. your reporting. Mm. Um, and so you, when you get to grasp a detail and squeeze it in, um, it's you make sure it's really precious. And with each of those characters, um, whether it's a 
the floral, floral tops or the, some aspect of a musician in a bar. <laughs> it's, yes. um, they, they're, 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 they're glorious pops of I th- colour. I think, thank you. Yeah, I think th- there's something about the economy of journalism, which I, I, that's the kind of writing that I like to read. Not Stuff that's not too expansive and not too florid, but is quite economical in its style. And I wanted to do that. But also, yeah, just wanted to do these little brushstrokes that explained a character. And I think if you've been a journalist, a working journalist for a while, whether or not you like, whether or not you even mean to, you just become quite, you're in an observational mode all the time. You're always looking at people, taking down notes about people, which is like a really creepy way to live, by the way, <laughs> now that I say it out loud. But um, but maybe maybe it's, you know, has a, has a, a positive purpose in the end, yeah. Um, while we're on this journalism thing, uh, so the character Susie Hamilton is an investigative journalist. You're an investigative journalist. Um, we talk a lot about how journalism, as a as a part of our society or whatever, is under stress from economic changes or um, political forces, uh, cultural just changes, mindsets, kind of anti-truth, anti-journalism stuff. Um, and there's what's happening in the courts now with Christian Porter, and that's scary. Um, through your character, uh, Susie Hamilton, you you look into the imperfect world of a journalist. Uh, what what do we outsiders get wrong when we make assumptions about journalism? Gosh, um, it's hard because I think people don't like to hear journalists complaining, and I, I understand that because I think the media. Um, you know, disgraces itself um, a lot um, in various ways. What do people from the outside don't see? Probably um, social media is a wonderful democratising force in many ways, but it does mean as a journalist, and I suppose anyone who produces something a lot, like, you know, we have to churn out stuff daily, um, it means that you just have all of these armchair critics. So it's a weird job in that way because... You know, if you're an accountant or you're an engineer or, I don't know, you're a doctor, like people who contribute much more usefully to society, I might add, in the most part, um, you don't have someone going, oh, I didn't really like, you know, the pen stroke you did there. And have you thought about doing that this way? Or like, I'm just going to abuse you, you know, um, for this calculation that you got wrong or whatever. Um, So, yeah, like that is quite intense. And like I think if you're one person who's like, oh, Jacqueline Maley, why did you write that piece of crap you wrote last weekend? And they tweet at you. It's like they're just one person doing it. But if you're, if that's your timeline and there's like 50,000 people doing that to you, it's really intense. I, don't, I Like I don't get too much of that stuff. But I get, I get, yeah, like I get a lot of emails, some of them from readers, like a lot of them actually from readers that I love that are beautiful and you have this personal connection with your reader. That's really cool. Um, but you also get a lot of people telling you what you're doing wrong. And like... I don't mind, like that's fine. I don't, and I don't need people to agree with me either. But if that veers onto abuse, it can be, um, can be, it can weigh you down. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to also uh, just touch on the um, in the book um, when uh, Susie's career does not go as she hopes. Um, uh, what was, you know, how, how was that writing that as a person who is still a working journalist and then writing about someone's sort of career implosion but then being able to um, sort of uh, go through her, her journey? Did you um, – ha- what, what was the inspiration behind kind of making that her path? 
I was really interested in the idea of shame and disgrace and I wanted to, I just knew when I had the idea for Susie in the book, I knew that something shameful and disgraceful had happened to her and she'd had a big rupture and she'd had to rebuild from that and I think that was, it's just a really interesting vulnerable spot to put your, to put your character in, to put your main character in. Um, but I had to, like I almost had to detach a little bit from her because um, I was putting her through all of this stuff and I did identify with her in some way and I just had to keep reminding myself that, you know, I could do all these things to her and I wasn't hurting her. <laughs> she wasn't real. Does that sound ridiculous? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I, um, I was really interested in that idea. I was really interested in redemption. I was really interested in how you make amends to people that you've harmed and I needed her to go through all of that um, in order to explore those themes, yeah. Yeah, and um, certainly as well the, you know, the relationships and the different sorts of relationships her colleagues, the relationships she has with her uh, different colleagues um, in the different jobs she ends up going through in this, um, in, this, in this book, but also the relationship that she has with her daughter, which is um, another really beautiful, like uh, just a beautiful relationship and that child seems like a delight, I have to say. <laughs> um, uh, did you enjoy writing um, those sort of new connections um, all those sort of deeper connections that she was that she was getting to have throughout the book. Yeah, I mean the mother-daughter relationship um, between Susie and her daughter Maddie is central to the novel, obviously, and I think that softens Susie a lot because she does do things that are not so great and are not so likable and make her a bit difficult. Mm. Um, that and I was mothering, you know, my, I had a very small child at that at that point, and that is very much taken from that part of the book is very much taken from my life. Not the rest of it, I hasten to add. Um, Very but, clear to say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I freighted, like I put a lot of my feelings and thoughts and sort of frustrations and love of motherhood all into the book and I wanted I wanted to do that. And I, I just had always thought this is such an intensely emotional experience. It's one of the big experiences in life and it's not treated very seriously in literature when you look at the literature yeah. over the long term. So why why not? Like why is it that we have books about war and we have family sagas written by men but we don't have something about this incredibly intense relationship that a mother has with her child in the first early years? I wanted to write about that and I also wanted to write about how funny it is. You know, it's mental spending time with a small child and they say funny things all the time and they're really loose and they're totally socially uninhibited and it's sort of like being, you know, like I've said before, like it's sort of like being with like a really loose drunk person sometimes, <laughs> you know. And I was like, this is funny. You know, people people should write about this more. So I did. And Absolutely. Yeah, I wanted that to be really central. And then there's another, the other mother-daughter relationship in the book which – almost mirrors it because it's very much at the other end of the spectrum mm -hmm. in terms of closeness and in you know there's a purity to a, a relationship with a small child and there's a real complexity to a relationship with an old you know with an adult child so I wanted that to come out in a few different relationships that are depicted in the book yeah you also get into um the process of grieving um in this book uh the death of a child and the very uh, non- sensical <laughs> ways in which we do that um was your career past past like was that a um influence on on how you structured that 
relationship and, and how that played out with that character? With with the death? Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose I've, I'm lucky. I've never really experienced a lot of death in my own life um, so far, but I have seen it, I suppose, in my job. Um, you see it, you deal with it, you write about it. And so you're forced to contemplate it, I suppose, in a way. And... Um, you see the different ways that people react to it and for some people it makes them very angry and I think that's something that I thought would be interesting to write about and to me the anger that Jan feels is a very is very normal it's just a very it's a very usual reaction and I just sort of wanted to depict that in all of its sort of mess and to not shy away from it yeah yeah also, but while we're on the motherhood thing, um, something I really enjoyed in this book is that you, you, you look at the stress of motherhood in terms of economics. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, Susie is a single mum and she lives in Sydney and she has um, a non-permanent place. She, she doesn't know whether she's going to be able to keep the home she's mm. in because of um, changes to her career, <laughs> abrupt changes to her career. And um, she compares herself with what she calls the park mums um, who are more economically comfortable than her and are able to put green things in their children's food without um, issue. And it's, it's like it's, the, the, for that mere reason they somehow become uh, morally superior to her. Mm. I loved exploring that. Um, I don't have a question for that. I just really want to compliment that. <laughs> well, I think that I think that's a very Sydney thing. You know, like we're obsessed with property in Sydney, and we talk about it constantly. And it is a huge social marker, and it becomes a de facto um, measure of success. I think, and not just economic success, but as you say, some sort of moral success. Like I've mm. done a good job here. Um, and I mean, I was a single parent um, in when my child was littler, and I struggled with all of that sort of stuff and and at a really fundamental level you're like well I don't know if I'm going to be able to do for my child what my parents did for me you know they gave and I think this is generational we see it um, a lot in people who don't you know our you know a younger generation of people who can't get into the housing market um, their parents were able to provide them with a stable home which was a much smaller proportion of their income Um, they could probably even do it on one salary and you know, the generation now is struggling to do that for their children on two salaries, you know, sometimes quite good professional salaries or whatever. So it's a bit of a generational crisis. And, and also I was, a, I, was a, I was all right, but I, I, like I was a member of like a Facebook um, single mothers group. And, you know, it's a, it's a different slice of life. Like it is, you know, a lot of economic security, housing insecurity, a lot of women dealing with um, domestic violence and abuse. Um, everybody's like, it's a real struggle. You know, the single mothers are, um, are you know, one of the poorest cohorts um, yeah. in our society and they're very stressed out. You know, they're really stressed out. And I think it's just interesting because on the one hand, we really laud mothers and socially we're like, oh, you know, everybody loves their mum. There's a lot of pop culture around Mother's Day and there's a lot of gumph that we see culturally about mothers, but it's like that to me is like the other end of like, do we actually, when it comes down to it, really value them? I don't know. Do we value yeah. what we, what they do? Certainly not in economic terms, we don't. And certainly I think you can see that in the, the worries that she has at the beginning of the book about, you know, she's trying to do meet deadlines, but she's also making sure that she is keeping her daughter at sort of the forefront of, you know, making sure that her daughter f- 
feels that love. Um, and I think that's a I think that's a struggle that a lot of people um, will definitely definitely be able to uh, to relate to. Um, it certainly was it was quite you know quite moving um, reading reading about that. And um, and it's just really interesting as well how you you know she has Susie has this veneer of success at the beginning. You know it looks like she's living this great life. She's got a lovely little child. She's living in Glebe um, in this beautiful house. But then as we find out, you know it's it's, it's not her house, <laughs> and you know she's got this successful career. And then you can I think that's another great theme throughout the book about how what we present to the world and what our inner inner life actually is can be can be so different. And um, I think another great character that you really really shows this is is Jan. And I think we should talk a little bit more yep. about Jan. I, love I think Jan. She's, she's my, my favourite character. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's, Absolutely. I just, I just really, really loved her. I really loved her. <laughs> just wonderful. Like it really felt like this is an actual person you have uh, you've met and just turned into a character in, in a book. Um, she comes across in one way at the beginning and then by the end I don't think any reader would think the same way about about Jan. Was that was her character easy to write or hard to write or she I mean she I, I love Jan and I wanted to I wanted to take you know Jan for people listening to this who haven't read the book she's she's um, a late a woman in her late middle age she's from Queensland she's had a pretty hard life she works as a nurse um, you know she's got a, a divorce behind her and two kids who are kind of pretty troublesome right and she comes into Susie's life and Susie's much more middle class and much more sophisticated and cosmopolitan than Jan. And I wanted to write about a person like Jan because I felt like as I have in a passage in the book, like Jan's and, you know, of all different cultures power Australia, like they power communities all over this country and they, they do all of the work, they do all of the emotional labour, they do, you know, a lot of unpaid work and nobody notices them and nobody writes books about them and nobody really sees them as sort of romantic characters, right? Who are worth noting. So I wanted to I wanted to bring all that forward, and I wanted to be like this is a character who sort of goes unnoticed in most of her life, and she just bursts into this other person's life, and she's like, "You are going to notice me. You are going to listen to what I have to say, and I am going to get in your face." And I loved that about her. Um, and yes, I did want that relationship between Jan and Susie to be very confrontational at first and it had to be but then I wanted them to come to an understanding um and um yeah I I do think that Jan progresses and changes and she's always the same person but our view of her changes yeah and it's and it's um Susie's perception yeah. that is changing yeah. and evolving throughout, yeah. which colours yeah. it so much I think because Susie's a very prickly person and she becomes a little bit, yeah, she's sort of, you have to get through that prickly. She loses pretensions yeah. throughout. Yeah. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, there's one other aspect of the book that um, when I read, because I read the cover quote uh, before, normally if I get a proof I just start reading the book because I love to just dive in. Um, but I happened to read the cover quote and I was like, oh, a superb and original love story. An astoundingly good debut. And I was like, an astoundingly good debut. Yep, yep. A superb and original love story. I wasn't expecting that. But um, can you tell us a, a little bit about, um, I don't know, I don't want to spoil anything, but um, about, yeah. about that, the love um, story. Well, I do think ultimately it's a book about lots of things. I think it's about, it's about shame. It's about guilt. It's about redemption. It's about stories, like who gets to tell a story, who owns a story, um, how much of a story do you need to tell to get to the truth of something? All of those themes are in there. But I do think at the end of the day, it's probably a book about love. And um, I, yeah, I don't want to spoil it for readers, but I think that 
Well, the central, the central, um, the central relationship of the novel is the mother-daughter relationship, and it's a love story, I think. And there is something very intense and engaged about motherhood with a small child that almost replicates a romantic love, which maybe sounds odd, but it, there is something. The way that I would best put it is, you're enthralled with each other in a way that, yeah, almost is a parallel yeah. to the early stages of romantic love. You know, you just think this person is perfect and they look upon you as perfect and that is beautiful. And then, of course, it ruptures and changes and becomes much more complex and nuanced and grey, right? So that's at the other end of the spectrum yep. and yep. that's a different kind of love, a much messier kind of love, a much more hurtful and damaged love but still really valuable too that's a really interesting of damage perspective (laughs) yeah (laughs) um the the book kind of kicks off with with a high um profile expose Mm. right yeah uh which catalyzes the death that you mentioned that first sentence (laughs) which is on the back of the proof um uh i i I use the word catalyze because it's not (laughs) <laughs> like it's not, uh, a, it's not it's not necessarily causation yeah, you don't know that's yeah. the thing and yeah. that's, that's the tension of the book um one of the many tensions um but it makes i i'm thinking about um the consequences of uh exposing people um, mm. and that's kind of your job right as a journal <laughs> um are, are there people and I, I can only imagine like there's people that whom are waiting to be exposed that maybe you um, have a hunch or you know about, but maybe like this, you don't have a source or the source isn't robust enough to mm. make that story mm. publishable or things land on the spike for other reasons. Mm. Um, is, is your career just peppered with that? Uh, yeah, you do find yourself in a position where you know things or you know allegations about people that, yeah, you don't publish for a variety of reasons and... Um, then, but you, yeah, it's an odd it's a, it's an odd position to be in. But then you sort of feel like you know something about someone, or potentially know something about someone um, that is deeply personal and deeply damaging to them. Yeah, that's pretty weird. That's pretty weird. Yeah, um, and and I mean, obviously, we're having a moment in Canberra right now where a lot of people, a lot of men, are being exposed for all sorts of um, you know allegations of sexual misconduct. And I suspect there's lots of lots of blokes in Canberra who are cowering right now <laughs> thinking about what journalists know but can't exactly get up or what journalists know but can't write because it's too defamatory. Um, yeah, so it's it's odd. It's a position of weird power that, I mean, I don't, I've never sought that um, kind of power. In fact, it sometimes can be very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and um, you do have a sense, like, you know, even in, even, you know that, even when you know that what you're writing is very worthy and it should, it needs to come out and it will come out and it must come out, but you still think, well, even if I don't have much sympathy for the subject of this, I'm, I do have sympathy for their family or, you know, and that's why, like, the idea of disgrace in the book is I wanted to look at the other side of that. Um, you know, we show up as journalists, we show up on the worst day of people's lives and we write a story about them maybe about the worst thing that they ever did in a moment of judgment, uh, misjudgment or they're exposed for something that they really wanted to keep hidden about themselves. And does that tell the whole truth of a person? Um, you know, does, does, 
if you're the family member of that person, do you feel as though it's justified? I mean, yeah, I was just sort of always interested in the other side of that because it, it's something that I've thought a lot about in my career. Yeah, this book certainly gets you to think about that. Thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I, all good. I could think about was, uh, like when I finished reading the book, was just I would like to dis- – I needed – I think I was the first person to – I think I got the proof and read it that weekend. So I was like, okay, so I need someone else to read the book so we can talk about things that have happened in the book. Oh, that's great. I um, love that. So is that is that one of the things that you're hoping to get out of, you know, having written this book is to have people sort of have these kinds of discussions about the different, um, you know, the different uh, themes in the book? Yeah, I mean, I can't say – it's funny because I, I wrote the book – it was such a personal thing for me and it was like this little world that I created um, where it was almost like an escape for me – you know, because it was during quite an intense period in my life when I was when I was writing it, so I didn't I didn't think too much like I'm trying to provoke um, a discussion or provoke thought or anything. The fact that people are reading it now and connecting with it emotionally is incredibly humbling and gratifying, um, and it feels like I you know maybe I succeeded in whatever my mission was. But um, but yeah, I mean when I was writing it, I just I I wanted I loved this world that I'd created. I wanted to spend more time with the characters. Um, I wanted to see what they would do. So that it was sort of a, almost a deeply selfish act in that, in that sense. You know, I took time away from my daughter to do it. You know, I neglected my duties. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we appreciate that you've done that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing it a second time for my for my next book. So. Yeah. Ah, well. Well, that was that was that was my last question. Is yeah. Will you, will you write fiction again? Yeah, I'm I'm writing another book. Um, so I am. I know what it's about. I know the themes of it and I know who's in it. Um, it's, it's Broadly speaking, it's going to be a book about hunger um, and the world of cooking and the world of restaurants. Oh my God, I'm, I'm so into this already. That is a book for you, yep, That's a book for me. <laughs> yeah, um, but I want, it, I, want it to be about, I want it to be about hunger, yeah, the different kinds of hunger. Amazing. Mm. Jacqueline, thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. And congratulations. This thing is excellent and it's it's already finding a lot of readers. Uh, we're, we're thrilled for you. Thank you so much. It's been a really, really nice thing to talk to you guys. If you want to get a copy of The Truth About Her, it is published by Fourth Estate and it is available right now from booktopia.com.au. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au